0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit IBM.com/slash hybrid
0: cloud.
1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we've got rookie numbers, Joe, and I really like most of these numbers. We'll talk about why we like these numbers or don't like these numbers in the cases when we don't, and look back at some of the guys that have worn them before, some of the parallels to recent history and slightly more distant history for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then in part two of the show... We said yesterday we were going to talk about T. Higgins and compare him a little bit to the combine numbers for A.J. Green, for example. And since he's wearing 85 for fun, we went back and looked at Chad Johnson's combine as well. But this all leads to a discussion of if Auden Tate is your fifth best receiver, is the wide receiver group the strength of the Cincinnati Bengals in 2020? Or is it still the defensive line, which is what we felt for the last few years? So we'll have that conversation in the second part of the show. And before you say, Oh no, the quarterback's the strength of the team. Now let's just not get ahead of ourselves with a rookie quarterback. I think we all expect to get there or hope to get there at the very least. But for now, I don't think we can say a rookie is, is the best player on the team. But first let's talk about these numbers, Joe. Let's get those free agents out of the way first, Joe, because there isn't actually much significance to me for these numbers. Now that I look at them, Trey Wayne's takes number 26, couldn't tell you the last player to wear 26 for the Bengals. Mackenzie Alexander takes 21, which I believe Darquez Denard was wearing. Josh Bynes goes with 56, and I also don't remember the last player to wear 56, but I know it was a linebacker. Do any of these stand out to you for any reason, Joe? No, mostly that the numbers.
2: Uh, Trey Wayne's Always wore 26 anyways, and Josh Bynes, when he first came in the league, was 56, and then before he became 59 for the Ravens. Also 56 linebacker, I always think Brian Simmons of the
1: Bengals. We can only hope that Josh Bynes suddenly becomes Simmons and lives up to that height for 56, but what's more interesting, I think, to everyone is the new Bengals that were drafted more recently than the veterans they've signed in free agency a few weeks ago now. Joe Burrow, of course, as we've known for some time, takes number 9. T. Higgins takes number 85. Logan Wilson takes number 55. Hakeem Davis-Gaither takes number 59. Khaled Kareem, 90. Hakeem Adaniji, 77. And Marcus Bailey, 51. Joe, let's start with the quarterback. Number 9, a nice bookend going back to the last time the Bengals drafted a quarterback. Number 1, Joe Burrow takes up the mantle that Carson Palmer left behind.
2: Yeah, and maybe uh, can erase some of the remaining stink on that number. But yeah, go from number one to number one. It's kind of odd to see that happen. But it, this whole situation of how he came to be and going from number 10 his whole life to number nine and then keeping number nine, I think there's a little magic behind it. I, I'm into the uh, the mojo or the voodoo of the number. So keeping your number where you had the magical season down in LSU makes a lot of sense for me.
1: And Joe Burrow even said he doesn't have the fondest memories in wearing number 10, so he takes number 9, the number he won a national championship with, and the number of the last quarterback for the Bengals that we really ever considered to be among the league elite. We've also talked about T. Higgins, who will be wearing number 85, famously worn by Chad Johnson, but he's not the only one. It's just, if you go back to the last great Bengals receiver to wear the number 85, another second-round pick early in the second round, Chad Johnson before now Ty- Tyler Eifert wore it there in the middle and, and now T Higgins.
2: It's just that Chad famously wore it, right? He had Ocho Cinco on the back of his jersey. He was 85. You could call him 85 and any football fan would know who you're talking about and when you're, you know, between 2004 to 2008 or so. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, he famously wore it, but Isaac Curtis, Tim McGee, I mean, 85 has been a very good and lucky number for the Cincinnati Bengals, and. Tyler Eifert, when he played, was great also. So, yeah, rub some of that magic off of of the 85 onto T. Higgins.
1: Going on down the list, Logan Wilson takes 55. And, of course, the last Bengals linebacker, who we really had much confidence in, also wore number 55. And that was undrafted free agent Vontaze Burfecht. Of course, Burfecht, I think, had some tendencies on the field let's say that we won't see from logan wilson who we expect to be a team leader a very solid character guy not to say that perfect wasn't a good character guy in the community but you can't deny his rap sheet on the football field i think logan wilson will be a bit of a different player but could be of similar quality if things go right
2: yeah, I think I'll just find Logan Wilson for taking number 55 just out of, you know, natural reaction. But there are three jerseys now that you could recycle if you have a 985 or 55 current Bengals uni. So um, feel free
1: to do that. Duct tape the back or whatever it is you guys do. Going on down the list, 59 for Akeem Davis Gaither. And I, I, for some reason, just think this is a perfect number for a guy who's going to see a lot of use in the pass game as a QB spy, as a blitzer in coverage. That number... Just makes me think of successful blitzes, Joe.
2: Yeah, and guys that were kind of package coverage guys, uh, Landon Johnson, Brandon Johnson, Emmanuel Lemur. It just seems like your athletic rangy dude is at linebacker is going to wear 59. So sure, let's do it.
1: Khaled Kareem taking number 90. I really like this one because it reminds me of when Michael Johnson came back to the Bengals. He never had that same pass rushing productivity and we don't really expect that from Khaled Kareem, although it would be a welcome surprise. Very similar strengths in terms of having length and being solid in run defense, especially at setting the edge. The other one I think we like, Joe, is Marcus Bailey of 51. Just a true solid linebacker number. If he develops, that's going to be a good number for him. And as he pointed out, his number in college 21. You flip the two, you essentially get a five. The last one to talk about, Joe, Hakim Denerji, number 77. Is it too soon?
2: It uh, feels too soon. It also feels unworthy, right, for identity to have that number. I think the, the 90 and the 51, the 90, I think of great Justin Smith. I mean, a lot of these are the 05 reincarnated besides uh, um, Vontez Burfix 55. He wasn't there yet. But, uh, yeah, you give 90 away. You get 51, who was Odell Thurman in 05 again. And 77, Angel Whitworth, it's kind of, if you're going to retire a few numbers, and we'll get to how rare that actually happens, I feel like 77 eventually could be one.
1: Yeah, if you Google retired numbers in the NFL, you'll see that some teams have done a lot, but most teams haven't done very many. The Bears stand out as an exception to the rule, but like the Bills have three numbers retired. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith. The Panthers have one number retired. He was with the team for three years. That's Sam Mills. On average, I'd say most teams probably have five numbers retired, but even some of the old franchises, the Steelers, only have two numbers retired. Any Stotner, who I've never heard of, And Joe Green, which makes a lot of sense, right? So the Bengals have one number retired that's 54 for Bob Johnson, their first draft pick ever, the center. And it's just there's only 99 numbers available for an NFL football team. And in the preseason, you have 90 guys on the roster. You see teams that have these numbers retired, they have 55 O 55 D they don't put the D on the uniform but if you look in the media guide they have that little indicator beside it so I think that's probably a reason we don't see a lot of numbers retired because who knows how these rosters are going to go in the future how many players we're going to have as they extend the season are we going to get to 60 65 man rosters and well now I don't have enough numbers
2: right and I also look at it a couple ways like I think of how teams do the ring of honor. And that's a very common thing around the league where you, you may put his number up there, number 30, and then you have his name on, you know, somewhere around your stadium. I've seen now where teams are so far into their franchise where they have two number thirties guy and two names now underneath it. Cause they've had two successful players of that, And I don't see anything wrong with handing out 85. I think 85 now is probably the most successful number in Bengals history at this point, maybe 14. I mean, Andy was pretty good, uh, but you know, we should probably, that's a segment. What's the most successful Bengals number in history. Maybe some people can comment on that, but uh, I think at this point, point, 85's lasted through the eighties, nineties and two thousands. And now it's being handed off again. It's kind of like how Syracuse gives out. I want to say 45, maybe it's 44. Now that I'm second guessing myself, but They give out that one number to their best athlete, usually their running back, to carry on their tradition – where, you know, that's their that's their lead guy. And if you wear that number, you are, you know, bringing that weight on your shoulders and carrying that um, as, as a symbol and, and with pride. So at this point, because you can't retire everything, I mean, even Anthony Munoz, 78, remember when they give that out a few times in camp and it's just icky right away and they quickly will pull it off before, if that guy makes the roster or, or you know, before he actually plays in a regular season game, there are numbers you don't give out. You just can't retire everything. And maybe they will
1: one day, but, right now I think retiring 85 somebody said they should retire with number. I mean the guy's still in the league you can't retire a number for a guy who's still playing for another team we're gonna come back and talk about the new strength of the Bengals team or is it a new strength maybe it's still the defensive line might be a bit of a debate I'm not sure if Joe and I agree on this one. we haven't talked about it yet we'll get to that next
0: All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms were simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at My Bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is Ross Jackson
3: from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
2: um Photoshops and memes and everything you can with this group of five guys standing above Joe Burrow like they're coming down from the heavens of AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, T. Higgins and did I say T. Higgins or T Higgins? Either way. And Audentate, which is I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go watch some Audentate clips and I usually look up old videos that I posted on Twitter or whatnot. And uh, just looking at some of these games, I'm like, man, this is a fifth receiver. and Maybe he's three. I think we'll talk about whatever we expect for maybe a rotation, a healthy rotation, if they're all healthy, um, which I think we should expect. But uh, just watching it and thinking, it's funny because I I repost it and a lot of people are going, man, if that's Joe Burrow, and and if if Burrow is who we expect, that's a 150-yard game because there are so many just odd throws. But to think of... How deep and good this receiving core is right now. I think it's getting a lot of people excited. Excited, and I think uh, you brought up the point of: is it better? Is it, is it the most talented? Is it the best group on the team? And we've always said defensive line, and especially I think the two additions then are DJ Reader versus T Higgins. Is, it, is that enough to push it over D line, or is it more of a potential thing?
1: I think that another part of the wide receiver argument is we've seen John Ross be a little bit healthier. We've seen what he's he's capable of. We've seen Auden Tate show that he's clearly capable of this role player job in the wide receiver room and and can be very productive in his own way, even as a premier target. You know, he had a 14 target game down the stretch last year. Getting AJ Green back is another big component of that. So I think you know, you add T Higgins into the mix, you can, you could feel pretty good about the wide receiver room. The reason that it comes up for me is like you, I was thinking about Auden Tate last night. One of my, one of my friends sent me a message. He's like, congratulations on Joe Burrow. I'm like, yeah, thanks man. We, we've we known it for a few months, but it was nice to get it out of the way. And he goes, does he have anybody to throw to? And I sent him uh, a highlight reel of Auden Tate. And I said, this is the fifth best receiver on the team. And and again, you can argue that like you said, Joe, but you look at the highlight reel catches that guy made. I mean, he's a walking highlight film, and uh, that's pretty fun. But before we talk about the strengths of the team, I, I did want to talk a little bit about T. Higgins in specific because when you put it that way, when you compare DJ Reader to T. Higgins, you everyone expects that probably for two years, unless T. Higgins wildly exceeds our expectations and truly is the next Chad Johnson somehow – I think we all expect DJ Reader to be the bigger impact. He was their marquee free agency signing. T. Higgins was a second round pick and, and he could be a very good second round pick, but DJ Reeder is supposed to be this transformational piece in specifically run defense. And and you think about playing the Ravens and, and playing the Steelers and even even the Browns. Like all these AFC North teams are predicated on a running game. But I do want to talk about T. Higgins because we looked at his, his combine numbers and, and everyone's talking about he could be the next great 85. So we went back and we looked at Chad Johnson's combine numbers and T. Higgins had a better combine or better pro day than Chad Johnson did a combine. Chad Johnson ran a four five eight forty. 40. He had a two, six, three split, which is not much better than T. Higgins. Two, six, six reported split. Mm -hmm. He had a 33-inch vertical jump, which is very comparable to T. Higgins, I think 31-inch. And his broad jump was only 9 feet, which is actually first percentile. His broad jump was miserable.
2: Uh, You should say one percentile, because first percentile makes it sound good.
1: It's one percentile, as in bottom of the barrel. Yeah, so 99th percentile is good. First percentile is bad. So Chad is shorter and he's and he's lighter. So he did all of that at 6'1 192. T Higgins of course, 6'3 and 215 or so. I don't I don't remember actually. Yeah. Also has shorter arms. Chad had 32-inch arms at the combine. So if if you compare athleticism between Chad Johnson as he tested in 2001 to T Higgins as he tested in 2020, T Higgins is a better athlete. You mm. you watch him on tape, you don't really get that impression, but I really wonder why that is, because looking back on Chad's numbers, you're thinking, man, this guy, he was 23 at the time of the draft. He didn't test. Well, he's a second round pick. We would have panned that pick at the time. 36
2: uh, catches his final year at Oregon State too. 37, but yeah, not
1: not what you're looking for compared to the modern receivers. Different game then to some degree. He was still about 29% of the Oregon State whatever's beavers beavers my bad passing offense but i'm just saying we would have we would have been upset about some of the things about that pick but then he goes on to be one of the bengals greats can d higgins do that that's a different game a little bit today but i'm just saying you compare him to chad instead of comparing him to aj he tested better and
2: i think that we weren't intending to go in that direction of comparing him to Chad, but it was, you know what, let's type in I forget what Chad ran, I knew it was a 4 or 5 something, and then as we dig a little deeper, we like, look at this, and then we we're looking at his stats, and we're, we're like, man, we wouldn't have uh, been too happy, other than the film, which we liked Higgins on film too, and it still brought us grade down, because his production wasn't great his athleticism wasn't great, and I think that's where we wanted to go with the conversation because a lot of people are pinning a lot of hopes on Higgins and he might be really good uh, but he I think it was John Sheeran. and he got a lot of weird feedback on Twitter when he said, I expect Higgins to be a starter. And he didn't. He just left it as that, be, not saying he's going to be a pro bowler or a number one type guy. We should expect him to be a, a starting receiver, which means a number two or number three is how I took it. And, uh, you know, when you look at the production and you look at the the athleticism, it is a big indicator on a guy's upside ability. Normally you have one trait to lean on as a receiver in terms of athleticism. Uh, you look at the top guys in the league, they typically had one. Sometimes they don't. And then when they do, it's like, oh, he's a slot guy that wins in contested situations. And I don't think that's the, the future for Higgins. So he's going to have to overcome or, you know, uh, get more athletic, get faster than his testing shows, which happens sometimes. So um, there is still hope there. But I. I way John was reeling it in is the way you should because setting realistic expectations, as we said before on the show, is part of the um, process and part of our goal. So for Higgins and in this group, I've made the comment that they could still need John Ross in a year. They could still need a speed receiver if you got all these guys out there running four fives and maybe slower with uh, four, six, eight for Auden Tate. And I think he's a little faster than that now. I bet he'd run it much better now that he's not 20 years old anymore. But uh, point being is that... Speed may still be a factor. Guys that win instantly, win with separation, with explosion, are coveted by every team, and still could be coveted by the Bengals despite having a really good receiving core next year or the year after.
1: And and you can see where the similarities between AJ Green and T Higgins are when you look at the the webs and you look at the numbers because because T Higgins had a pro day, so his web is non mock draftable, but. They both have the crazy arm length. They're both big guys. 6'4 for AJ Green at 21. 6'4 216 for T Higgins. Over 34 inch arms for both of them within a half within a quarter inch uh, between the two of them. AJ ran a 4'48, so he, he had the edge on speed, he ran a much better shuttle. But I mean you see where the, the physical comparison is. They're built very similarly in terms of length, in terms of height, in terms of weight. And, and so I, I do get the comparison. So the question then that we started all this with is, do we think the addition of T Higgins, the emergence of John Ross and the emergence of Auden Tate, along with the reliability of Tyler Boyd in the slot, Alex Erickson as your sixth receiver and the return of AJ Green, we hope, does that make the wide receiver group a stronger position group than the defensive line for the Bengals right now, which features the marquee edition of DJ Reader, but also the aging Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, who's while they're still good players, it's fair to expect some age-related regression now as they're both getting deeper into their 30s.
2: Yeah, the thing about the defensive line at this point is even if it's better right now, um, they haven't invested it, like they have receiver, right? We got three premium picks right now that are still relatively young on the on the receiving court with uh, Boyd, Ross, and Higgins, and I mean Tate is still super young. So they don't. I don't have that same feeling. I mean, we have got a couple. We got a third and a fourth rounder with Hubbard, and you've got the uh, fourth rounder with Carl Lawson, but Lawson's been hurt. Lawson is probably the comparable to Ross at this point, you'd like him to be healthy and just play more and just be more productive overall, even though I think he's good and I believe he's good. And I believe he's a weapon on that defensive line. and makes them better as as a unit. There's just nobody coming on, you know, that's like if they would have spent a second rounder on Epinesa or something, I'd be like, yeah, the steel line is really going to be fine for the next few years. But as of right now, there's a chance that just at the age they're at, these guys could fall off a cliff. I've always said after 30, 31, 32, it's like going through the fog at the edge of a, of a cliff. And you never know when that guy all of a sudden just can't play. We've seen it plenty of times. The guy, all of a sudden, he's 33, 34, and he just can't play anymore. Or he gets hurt, and then that's definitely it. They just don't recover ever and, and, and are and not in the same capacity. So uh, there is that potential to lose Atkins or Dunlap along the lines in the next couple of years. And you really don't have the young talent to replenish them. I was very surprised to not see an interior defensive lineman picked. Uh, I just felt like it was coming. It's kind of funny when we're talking to Ben Baby. He felt the same thing, right? Like, yeah, maybe it's this round. Maybe it's next round. It was going to be that bonus pick to eventually replace Geno Atkins, maybe play some five tech, you know, just rotate inside. Uh, But it didn't happen. So I think going into the future, next year, needs are still offensive tackle. Maybe you need a corner next year as, as a first rounder. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a D end or D tackle next year in the first round.
1: Yeah, we'll have to watch that one closely. There were a few times I thought defensive tackle made sense as well from even a value perspective and from who we knew they were talking to, but we said several times they don't have that extra pick, and maybe if they had that extra pick, you know, they could have gotten that lineman, they could have gotten that defensive lineman, who who knows what they would have picked with that extra pick, but they didn't have it, so instead, here we are with three young linebackers, and they get to come into the league together, hopefully grow together, and... I think the wide receiver group, by virtue, actually, I don't know. It's still a toss-up to me. I think the wide receiver group currently is more exciting, but maybe the defensive line group is still better because until they fall off, you can't really assume that they're going to this year. And Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, the last time we saw them, were still good players. Mm-hmm. DJ Reader is one of the best in the league of what he does. Ronell Rennes is still young. We still like... Uh, Carl Lawson and and Sam Hubbard is like a team captain essentially at this point. He's, he's a solid contributor. So yeah, I also love Josh Tupo forever for tackling <laughs> Lamar Jackson in the open field. Yeah. I would say as of now,
2: D-line still better with, I always think future and, and, you know, the age of, of how the next group is coming along. So the edge definitely goes wide receiver there. But as of this year, yeah, D-line still better until, I oh, man, I still think, if they're all healthy, all five of the, of the top receivers are healthy, and you can have a steady rotation. I mean, I think Green is still out there for 80%, not plus. Um, Boyd probably is too. But if you're out there three receivers all the time, that's a lot of snaps still open and, and up there for the three guys to share, whether that's Tate, Ross, and Higgins. and Maybe a healthy rotation between those three, and even Green eating into some of his snaps as he gets older, is probably the best way to do it.
1: Especially if you have more snaps with a more efficient – efficient passing game with Joe Burrow. We will be back tomorrow, guys, with a mailbag, so do get those questions ready. But stick around for an announcement about the future of the Lockdown Bengals podcast.
2: Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies.
3: Join me every Thursday with The First One Drops, only on Amazon Music. Let's go.
2: Hello, Lockdown Bengals faithful listeners. This is Joe Goodbury, your co-host, and it's just me this time. I wanted to talk to you guys directly because, uh, well, I've got some career news to talk to you about, and, you know, it's kind of uh, important. And starting May 1st, I will no longer be a co-host with Jake Lisko on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Um, I'm leaving uh, the podcast, and I I know some of you will be disappointed, but uh, it's not just a Locked On podcast. I also will not be writing for The Athletic anymore. I I even do some things behind the scenes that I don't typically talk about, but I will not be doing those anymore. And uh, I won't be on Twitter as much either. I am going to uh, step away from all of this uh, starting May 1st and um, this was m- my decision, and it's been in the works for a long time. You can ask people that know. I've I've told a handful of people, and uh, I just wanted to give the, the, the time to say thank you, and I appreciate all the following and, and listens and downloads and everything you guys have given, whether it's been since I've started this podcast uh, with Jake in February of 2019, so over a year and some some change we've grown, I mean bigger than I ever expected. And that's not true. I thought we'd do, I thought we'd do really well, but, uh, even better, especially the last month, man, I I can feel the energy, the excitement. Um, so it's kind of a bad time to jump off because Jake's going to do big things with this podcast and make a lot of money, uh, with, with the attention and, and the hype around the Bengals right now. But this decision was made a long time ago. And, uh, and I'm I'm stepping away, and and mostly because I'm going to take you through it of how and why, and uh, I'll give you guys time to ask questions for the next episode and and things like that. But uh, you know, I I started this ten years ago, maybe even eleven at this point. And I you know I was just I remember getting on Twitter, and I remember seeing like man, people talk about the draft every day, people talk about the Bengals every day. This is awesome, and that's what really sparked it, and. Um, you know, maybe our podcast has sparked some people, some younger people thinking the same way. Oh man, I can talk about the Bengals every day. This is a dream. I'd love to do this. So as you know, it was never a goal of mine to write about the Bengals. I've never been a good writer. I've failed English in 10th grade. I, I, I learned a lot doing it. And, you know, I started with you know, commenting on Twitter on things like, oh, I don't think that's right. I think they should do this just because I knew football and understood football and loved football. And it wasn't because I wanted to write or, or produce content of any way. And uh, I started writing long form comments and fan posts on com. And Josh Kirkendall, the managing editor there, uh, you know, emailed me and said, hey, would you like to do this? I, I mean, you, people seem to like what you're doing. And I thought, wow. Yeah, of course. I mean, that'd be fun. I'll do that. And it wasn't paid, of course. And I did that for a couple of years and uh, three years or so. And I, then he offered me, hey, I can pay you if I, you know, make you a social media manager. And so that helped me grow even more and do more things that way and learn how to make social media part of your, you know, your brand and your marketing and, and, and your name. And I think I've done that very well over the, over the time, the 10 years or so. And from there, I've written other places and, and, Gotten other opportunities, and you know, I i wanted to start writing, and I guess I got pushed there because I felt like the conversation was so shallow. I, at the time, we, you know, 10 years ago, remember, this is just at the cusp of things getting deeper and more analytical and more data and film. I mean, none of that stuff was happening 10, 12, excuse my phone, I'll put that on mute while I'm talking, but none of that stuff was happening 10, 12 years ago, and it it really exploded at the right time. Maybe I was just lucky. Maybe I was just at the right time where that stuff was interesting to me. And I could produce content in that way. And people wanted it. People were digesting it. People craved more information and more looks at their team and deeper looks and deeper dives into their team. And, you know, where we are now isn't comparable. There's so much content out there, so much data, there's so many great writers that, You know, that was part of it is I kept doing it because I felt like I had to raise the bar and this, I, I want to be humble about it, but I do feel like for a while there, no one else was doing it but me on a Bengals level. And now there's like five, six, seven guys. And I'm like, great. I'm not needed anymore. Um, I don't have to do it anymore. I I, I don't have to be the one that's finding new ways to make videos and finding new ways to um, bring the audio analysis or the data analysis or whatever I do. I mean, I've done so many things over the 10 years. I really am proud of the the way I've been able to push it. And the people that have helped me and and trusted in me and believed in me or pushed me to, man, you could do this. And people told me I could do a podcast five years ago. And I'm like, eh, I can't do that. And, or, or, you know, there's, you have those bouts of, of doubt with yourself, but you can do it. And, and I tell people all the time, people always approach me in my DMs or whatever on Twitter and say, Joe, how do I get started? How do I do this? Or what should I do here? How, what should be my focus? And I'm, I, you know, I tell people what I've learned and what I've done. And uh, so I, I'm happy with the way my career has, has gone. And, and, and part of it actually was, In, like, 2011, you know, I'm like, man, this team's doing really good. I'm happy. 12, I'm still happy. 13, I'm like, oh, I don't know if this quarterback's going to do it. I don't know if he's right. And I remember saying this at the time and people being like, Joe, you're nuts. What do you mean? Danny Dalton's having a great start to his career. And then 2014, I'm like, yeah, I don't think he's the guy. And I had to prove it all the time. Like, I had to keep showing, like, film clips and data and, and analysis. And that pushed me for the next, like, five years of saying, like, I think Dalton's average, guys. I think he's holding back this team, and it's funny now that when I decided, you know, about November, December, January, that I was going to leave and be done with it all, is that Joe Burrow was looking like the likely pick for the Bengals, and I'm like, what a great way for me to end, also. And it's not so much like my crusade against Andy Dalton, but it's it's like, man, I feel like they've got a real quarterback. I can stop analyzing the flaw that on this on the major part of the team in Dalton and in, in in the quarterback, because you need a great quarterback if you want to take this franchise to the next level. So I believe Burrow's that. And that's, so I just love that that's coinciding with me walking away. And maybe it's a part of it. I've, I I want to watch this team. I'm still a Bengals fan. I want to watch this team and I want to watch a great quarterback. I don't want to have to analyze every single play anymore. I don't want to have to watch the film. I don't want to have to do all the other things. I don't want to have to answer questions and, you know, provide analysis for stuff. I just want to enjoy the team kick back and relax and do what most people do on Sundays. So, you know, I, the other part is the, the career parts uh, of it. I never wanted to make this a career. I would have, if I could, you know, you start, I started getting into it and trying to make money off it when my son was, when my wife was pregnant with my son, my first, he just turned 10 and I'm like, if I can make some extra money, cause we didn't make a lot at the time, this would be awesome. And then I did. And then it made more and then it was offered more and it built into not enough to overtake my job because I've gotten a new job since then in that time, that 10 year period, but enough to, I mean, help us buy a new house, help us buy a new car. It's, it's been, you know, if I want to put in a patio or a driveway and a fence, the money I made off the athletic did it and it was great. And even with The Athletic, I was offered a beat writer job and I had to turn it down because I don't live in Cincinnati. And I think at that point was the light bulb in my mind of, Joe, I think you've reached as far as you're going to go. I, you know, unless you want to make this a career and take a bit of a pay cut or leave your job and move your family, how much further can you go? And, I, you know, at that point, I realized it and accepted it and said, you know what, I was never in it for a career anyways. That's Okay. I'm happy with what I've done. I'm satisfied. I'm fulfilled. But I've reached the end of the line. And now that my kids are older—my son turning ten, my oldest daughter turning seven, my youngest three—I've given up a lot of time with them to do this stuff, to make content, to uh, make videos, podcasts, writing, watching film, discussing, doing guest hits on other radio shows and podcasts and whatever the case may be. And I look back and say, "Oh, ten years, man, it flew." He's ten years—he's ten years old now. My oldest boy another 10 years will be gone right it'll be out of the house that'll be it I so I want to capture that and still hold that and for as long as I can and, and re-establish myself uh, to be there more often and, and I was but you can always do more you always feel like you can do more as a parent so that haunts me a little bit at night you know thinking like man I spent you know three hours watching film and then writing this article and then doing the podcast and you know, he was off just doing his own thing. And he's, you know, if he's nine years old, I'm like, man, this is prime time. I shouldn't be wasting this. So there's a lot of that motivation. I, I, if, I if I think about the Bengals, you know, as, as much as I do equally, I think about my children and my family. So uh, for me, that drove it as much as anything. So I plan on doing that. So that, that's the other part of this. Maybe in 10 years, you'll see me again doing something because the kids will be older and they don't want to talk to me. And, And then I'm 33 now, so I'll be 40 something. That's fine. I could do that. But as of right now, I'm considering this like a retirement and I am out and I'm happy to be out and I'm happy to put it all away, not stress about it and enjoy my time with my with my family, focus on my career and also be a fan without having that critical eye. So I want to thank you guys again. Um, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate all the people that have helped me throughout the years and I'm sure I'll... Um, I don't want to like start naming people because I'm gonna forget someone and feel bad about it, and I'll think about it, and that's how I am. Uh, so I won't do that. I'll just say there were so many people I couldn't have done it without them, and because of that, I'm in their debt. So whenever they need something, I am there for them. But as of now, um, I'm stepping away, and I appreciate appreciate you guys. Thank you very much.